Sister Chats on the Home Front is for the woman who needs a heart-to-heart with a fellow sister, a place to learn and to be encouraged by experiences of other military spouses also navigating the transient lifestyle. As we listen to each other's stories, we hope you are reminded that you are not alone in this struggle and encouraged in the gospel. Our goal is to promote joy, foster relationship, and encourage you to keep fighting the good fight on the home front. Grab a cup of coffee or whatever's nearby and let's chat. We're so glad you're here. Hi everyone, welcome back to Sister Chats on the Home Front. I'm Olivia, and today we will be hearing from my friend Kelly as she shares what God has taught her through her experience as a mom with a child with special needs. Kelly's son underwent fetal surgery at 24 weeks gestation, and two weeks later, he was born prematurely. God has truly worked graciously and powerfully in this family, and Even through these circumstances, Kelly's son is now a cheerful five-year-old boy who is starting kindergarten and always eager to give a friendly smile. I know the road hasn't always been easy as Kelly and her family have navigated military life along with the challenges of having a child with special needs, but Kelly is always quick to share of God's goodness and provision and to cling to his promises. And I'm so excited to hear from you today, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Olivia. It's a pleasure to be here. So just to begin, um, would you please share a little more about yourself? Tell about your family, what keeps you busy, and then just share uh, what the military has um, been for you, what your military experience has been so far. Sure. So I'm Kelly. I'm My husband and I have been married eight years. We got married right at the end of his training. And then we've had three different operational assignments since then. I teach online, have taught uh, on and off for an online school, and have uh, three kids. Our oldest is about to turn seven. Raphael is five. And then our youngest, our daughter, is two. I was a bit familiar with the military. I was actually a foreign military brat and had been stationed in the U.S. as a kid. And so it's kind of fun getting to be back in the same same environment, though. Army before and now Air Force, so a little bit different. And then also being for a different country. I have loved hearing um, from you about your experiences. And I hope that it will be an encouragement to others just to hear of what God has done and to praise God along with you for that, but also for anyone who is experiencing something similar or just um, a challenging situation as well. So would you share your story of giving birth prematurely and all the things that um, that entailed? So at 16 weeks gestation, we had our ultrasound with our second son. It was right after my husband got home from a deployment, and I'm so glad he got to be there with me because at the uh, appointment, the ultrasound tech said, the doctor's going to need to see you. Took us in another room, brought the doctor in, and he said, got right to the point. He said, your your baby has a birth defect. It's called spina bifida. And in the course of the conversation, he basically said the best course of treatment for this is something called fetal surgery, where they go in and they, they repair the exposed spinal cord in the womb. And 
you need to see if you're candidates. We think you're candidates, but there's a whole bunch of tests to make sure you are. So we need you to travel from here in North Carolina up to Pennsylvania to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and and get these tests and see if you can have this surgery. And having the surgery means you're then on bed rest for the rest of your pregnancy. And the hope is that it, it gives the, the baby a much better outcome, both in terms of mobility, um, but also reversing the hindbrain herniation that is part of spina bifida with the spinal cord being pulling on the back of the brainstem. So the, the military was actually extremely supportive between our flight doc, our squadron commander, the chief of medical staff at the, the medical group. But when we were packing for this trip, we didn't know if we were packing for six days or six weeks. Our thought was, well, we'll go. If we do qualify for surgery, then we would stay for the really strict bed rest part and then come home and have the rest of bed rest at home. Well, it turns out we stayed for six months because as you, as you mentioned, the surgery itself went well at 24 weeks, but two and a half weeks later, I went into labor due to some complications in this, uh, from the surgery, mm. and Raphael was born at 26 and a half weeks. And on top of that, the, the next day, he had a severe brain bleed called a, um intraventricular hemorrhage. And so the thing with preemies is they tell you, well, we think you'll go home around your due date. So that was the end of July. He was born. He'd been due end of October. But each month, it gets pushed back. And so we got to October and they said, well, maybe November. And then November, they said, well, maybe December. And we had a family wedding in December and we're trying to figure out, do we buy tickets for all of us or is Raphael going to have to stay here? And then we had a, a friend's wedding back in France in January. And I remember the doctor telling us, oh, you'll, you'll definitely be able to go to that one. And it, December turned into January and we were not discharged until January 22nd. Again, the military was was very supportive. We got per diem for the whole time there for our our hotel that was right by the hospital. My husband was my non-medical attendant when I was on bed rest, so he was on medical TDY orders to be with me. Um, Once our son was born, though, and a little more stable, once he was off the ventilator, they did ask him to come back to work. He'd been given four months off, and so I was living in the hotel with our brand new two-year-old. He had turned two while we were there. And sometimes my either my mom or my mother-in-law and sister-in-law would fly in to help out a bit. But there were quite a few weeks where I was on my own. And we just, we would go to the hospital every every day, spend the day in the NICU, and then come home to sleep in the, the hotel. So it was, it, it felt like we were in a time warp. Like the rest of the world kept going and we were just in our little hotel room and, and NICU room, hotel room, NICU room until Raphael was well enough. And then the Air Force said, you actually can't stay here. You have too many medical needs. We're going to send you somewhere where you're closer to a children's hospital, which is wonderful. And that has actually been one of the, the best parts of special needs in the military is they make sure you're near the, the care you need. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, I'm sure there's so many challenges and things that you had to go through and that God used to sanctify you during that time. But even just the not knowing when it's going to end or not being able to plan, that is just such a challenge. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of transient right now as we've been bouncing back and forth. And so I can relate a tiny bit to that. Just, just not really knowing exactly like what, like what do you even do? How should, how do you put down roots or how do you even try to live intentionally when you are in transition? So do you feel like there were things that you learned during that time regarding that? 
Definitely. I think that was probably the greatest challenge and the greatest lesson is learning to um, accept that I am not in control, but I know that I serve the sovereign God who is. And just to be faithful as, as best I can in the place I am in. So so we did find a church and get involved in a church while we were there. So that was the one morning a week that we didn't go straight to the hospital. We went to church first and then we went to the hospital. And so get, getting to be in community, despite mm. it would be a time where you would think, oh, no, you, you don't have time for that. Um, it ended up being a, a huge blessing that that church family welcomed us in, provided meals when, when needed help with childcare, when family couldn't be in town, even clothing. I hadn't packed any winter clothing because nowhere in my, had it crossed my mind that we might be in Pennsylvania in the winter. Um, and my now two-year-old needed some, some warmer clothes and moms just gave me bags of, of 2T winter wear. <laughs> That's such a good reminder. No matter what your circumstances are, you could have just said, oh, I'm too busy, like you were saying, or my life is stressful right now. So I'm just going to hunker down and do you know the task that's before me. But to really seek out community wherever you are, however long you are there, and you reap the benefits of that too, just even in like physical, tangible ways. So can you continue and just share some more of the challenges or the things that God um, taught you during that time? How did God meet you and how did he grow you and encourage you? One challenge that I feel like it's a little more superficial, but going through the Christmas season, living in the ho- in the hotel and the hospital was one that was really hard on me. I love Christmas. I mm. love the anticipation of looking forward to the celebration of the Lord's birth and all the, the things that go along with that. Um, and it, it really made me focus on, A, what, what am I really excited about at Christmas? Am I excited about the trappings or am I looking at the, the Lord's coming? Um, but there was a, a women's Christmas tea at a church within walking distance of our hotel that I ended up going to. And the message there was reflecting on, on Mary and Joseph being like brand new parents, far from family and home at the first Christmas. And I suddenly felt like God was saying, look, like, I know what you're feeling. Like my son's earthly parents went through that too. And it was such, such a blessing. There was one lady in our church who also happened to be a nurse at the same NICU where we were, uh, who invited us over for a morning of, of cookie baking at her house because we mm. couldn't do any of that sort of thing at the hotel. There were lots of uh, scriptures that that were sort of that were part of how God sustained us during that time. Our pastor back in North Carolina had been preaching through James earlier that year. So the the passage specifically, James 1, 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, Mm. and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And I remember at the time he told us, you're either going into a trial, in a trial, or coming out of a trial. And at the time I had wondered, like, what? Which trials are we going through? We had been going through pretty frequent deployments. It was sort of three months gone, three months home, three months gone, three months home. And I did have my oldest son already, so busy with the baby. But then we realized, okay, God's got a much bigger trial for us ahead. And mm-hmm. having that scripture already, something that I'd been meditating on going into it, was a, a huge blessing to be able to say, all right, I'm going to count this joy. Even when I don't feel it, there was a song. Um, I think page CXVI is the artist, but it's the, 
basically the I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart sung in a minor key so that you realize that sometimes you are not feeling it emotionally, but you can still say, Mm. I I cling to this um, because it's a command and we're commanded to count it all joy. So those were... I, there was there's a whole playlist of songs. I still have it on on my phone, my my Raphael playlist. Um, and we we had named him uh, shortly after we got our diagnosis because they told us you're going to be talking about him with doctors a lot before he's born. So mm, it's easier mm-hmm. often to have a name. And I was looking through a list of names and I saw Raphael means the Lord heals, and it was mm. very very easy decision to make after that. And we wanted his name to proclaim God's healing power as we would be talking about him with doctors and nurses and other parents. The other way God provided, when we went in for our testing, we met another family in the waiting room um, that had just had their fetal surgery and they were coming for a checkup and started chatting, found out. The dad worked on the same airframe that my husband flies, and we had all these things in common. The the mom was also had grown up in another country, and just the friendship that came out of that was very sweet. They were believers, and it was another way mm-hmm. I saw God saying, I know exactly where you are, even though you're very far from home, and I'm going to be with you during this time. The Lord is so gracious and kind to encourage us and to provide. He's provided for your for your soul, for your your emotional, your spiritual comfort and encouragement. So just being able to see his gracious provision. And I love just the tenderness and compassion that the Lord has for us where he, um, I think in the Psalms, it says he um, numbers our tears and keeps them and just how he knows the pain. And he also sends the comfort that we need. And it can be seen in so many different ways. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story and the things that you have been learning um, and what you did learn during that really intense, difficult time. Now you've had Raphael for five years, and I would just love to hear some of the joys and challenges that you have gone through having a child with special needs. I was thinking sometimes it's easy probably to think of of all the hard things, but I have seen the joys that it is to have um, a child with special needs just from watching you and seeing the blessings and the benefits that it has had on your children and on your family. So could you share some of those things? Absolutely. And joy is one of the first words that comes to mind when you think of Raphael. He is the happiest kid. I have so many videos of him, even as a baby, his laughter has Mm -hmm. always been just so contagious and so epic. Um, He is is very joyful. Um, One of the specific joys, even in the special needs, is that it forces you to celebrate even the Mm, little things, the little inch stones. So for instance, Raphael came home from the NICU with a G-tube, a button that went straight to his stomach to feed him because he wasn't able to eat by mouth. He'd been on the ventilator for three months and really rejected anything in his mouth. It took until April of 2017 before the first time he he actually ate something by mouth and it was three black beans at Chipotle after church one Sunday and I remember celebrating those three black beans that he had taken by mouth so that 
G-Tube. We still have it five years later, but we celebrated another inchstone, and this one felt more like a milestone this past May when he was given the authorization to go completely off of his formula, Mm. and he is now eating all of his food by mouth. So we praise God for that answer to prayer. Another inchstone slash milestone the doctors, after his brain bleed, told us that they did not know if he would be able to speak. It was very damaging to his brain. And so they said, the only prescription we have for you is love, optimism, and lots of books. And we added prayer to that list. And his speech has been delayed. But at this point, unless you were a speech language pathologist giving him a test, you probably wouldn't notice. His most recent evaluation told us he will probably be able to graduate speech in oh, six yay. months. And so my little boy, who I once was told might never speak, is now constantly peppering me <laughs> with questions. And so that makes me extra, I, I have to remember to be extra grateful. Even just watching him chew at meals, I, I am in awe sometimes. Mm. And so it has definitely helped me be grateful for for small things. Mm-hmm. I've also had the joy of seeing my my other children learn compassion and, and care. The two-year-old little sister is still working on that one, but the, <laughs> yes. the older brother is is definitely very caring and compassionate in in the way he interacts with, with other kids in general, too. Yeah, I have noticed that, too, with your oldest, and I think that was one of the first things I noticed about him is just how kind and compassionate and gentle he was. And he's even learned how to do therapy. One day, I, I was in the middle of his brother's math lesson. And had to take a phone call. He said, oh, mom, I'll, I'll help him finish it. Oh, sweet. And he was, Raphael was supposed to draw lines from one side to the other. And he was struggling with it. He said, here, Raph, I'll, I'll put a dot on each side. And you can connect the two dots. Because he had seen us do that in occupational therapy with him. Oh. And he just mimicked what he saw. So that does bring me to, to one of the challenges is frequent therapy. Yes. I think for the first several years, we were in therapy seven or eight times a week. Mm. Thankfully, for the first three years, they could come to our home except for feeding therapy. And so it was just scheduling it as a family. But now that he's aged out of that program, it's been a lot of driving <laughs> to to different appointments. And then a lot of, in, in the first couple of years, a lot of extra hospital stays and and medical care. I think he's had 10 hospitalizations, 10 wow. more hospitalizations since that first six months in the NICU. Um, 16 different surgeries, and some of them emergency surgeries. And some of those emergency surgeries while dad is deployed. Actually, Mm. three of those emergency surgeries while dad is deployed. So figuring out care. I mean, one of them, we knew one of the surgeries in time for my mom to fly in. And then it ended up, the surgery didn't go well. And then there was another surgery two days later. But another one was just on a Tuesday, I picked him up from school and took him to the hospital and they said, yep, he needs surgery in Mm. the next two or three hours. And so having the quick find care for my oldest, the baby was able to stay with me while dad was gone and calling him the next morning as he's however many (laughs) hours ahead and saying, well, while you were sleeping, our, our son went into surgery. Thankfully that one didn't have complications, but uh, the following week he actually had a relapse. These are mostly all related to the the VP shunt he has to relieve pressure on his brain from his hydrocephalus. And it was a very, it quickly um, got very serious. And that was one of the times of most 
crying out to the Lord. Mm. Just when the surgeon comes and whisks your child away and says, we'll talk more after surgery. Please quick sign this consent. Let's get him into the OR. And is this normally kind man is snapping at the staff. It was a, a very scary time. Mm. Um, and then just having to be extra careful around other illnesses. Mm-hmm. I remember our the first winter after he was out of the hospital, joining a Bible study and being really excited. And he went to the nursery class for the, Raphael went to the nursery class for the very first day. And another kid had a runny nose that for Raphael turned into bronchiolitis, which sent us to a hospital stay. So needing to have those extra precautions for another kid is not as big of a deal is for him a much, much bigger deal. And so during COVID, we've had to be extra careful. Um, So that has been a challenge as other people are, are getting to do more things and we still have to to take extra precautions, but just knowing mm. that I, I saw a saying in our family, everyone's needs get met. Not everyone's needs are the same and yeah. recognizing that we don't all need the same thing, but in, in our family, we want to make sure that each person gets what they need. Mm-hmm. Well, praise God for his kindness to you. And I know I just keep saying that, but I, any, every time hearing your story, I am just in awe of his provision and his kindness. And, you know, I'm sure that you have just grown in your faith and in your trust in him as a loving father and in your confidence that prayer works and that he hears you. And, and then I'm sure like during those scary times with emergency surgeries, like you don't have any control over that. Like you were saying earlier and really just trusting in his sovereignty. So what a great hope and comfort we have in him. We do. One thing that I I remember, especially um, when he had the surgery that did not go well, there was actually some complications that the night afterwards that his intracranial pressure got very, very high. And the next morning we, we couldn't get him to calm down. Mm. And I, I was worried that he he might not come back the same kid, basically, that the additional mm. pressure on his brain might have lost our, our happy, smiley baby. And I remember trying to fall asleep in the hospital that night, just mm. saying, God, this is all so much more than I can bear, that I can understand. Mm. And um, remembering the words of Psalm 131, um, because I... It, it was overwhelming when I thought about it. It was absolutely beyond me. There were so many, there were some things that had gone wrong in the hospital mm. um, and and feeling helpless. Like this is this is where we're supposed to be getting help and, and it hasn't hasn't mm. been as, as helpful as it, it should have been. But we still are gonna trust um, that God has us here for a reason. And Psalm 131 says, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not proud. Mm. I don't get involved with things too great or wonderful for me. No, but I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child on its mother. I'm like a a weaned child is my soul within me. And just saying, Lord, I don't understand. And I can't do anything to help at this point. And I'm scared, but I am going to trust you because I know that I'm going to, mm. verse three is, Israel, wait for the Lord um, now until forevermore. And I'm just going to wait for you because there are those times where you are 
at the end of your rope. I was having to make decisions on my own because that was during my my husband's deployment mm. and saying, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you because I don't I don't know what else to do. And that's the only thing you you can do. And remembering that he has so many rich promises like Philippians yes. 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus and clinging to that saying, okay, your word says you're going to supply every every need and we will trust you for that. Hmm. Yes. Amen. Well, do you have any advice for someone who is navigating all of this in the military? What military support um, has been the most helpful for you? I know you've mentioned some things. So the Exceptional Family Member Program is the EFMP program, and that is what I believe it's all branches of the military use in the assignments process to make sure that you don't Mm -hmm. get assigned somewhere where there isn't the care that you need. There are some kinks. They don't some bases are expedited, so they don't look at your packets very thoroughly. So we usually still do our own research to make sure we have the the care we yes. need before going somewhere. And then the respite program, I think the Air Force has the most hours available to their respite program right now. But for families with moderate to severe special needs, EFMP respite provides 40 hours of trained care per month for all of your children. And this has been a lifesaver. Mm, that's wonderful. Um, yes. <laughs> sanity saver. I don't know how you would do it otherwise. store runs, especially during deployments. Um, that has has been huge. Um, I know there's not always availability, but if anyone's new to special needs life, I definitely encourage them to check out the EFMP respite yes. care program. And then um, through ECHO, which is an additional TRICARE, it's above TRICARE, it's for those with within specific categories of special needs um, and specifically medical needs, they provide nurse, home health nursing care. And that has been mm. the other most helpful thing for our family. I remember when we got home from the hospital, not yet knowing about this program and waking up every three to four hours at night mm. to feed the pump. <laughs> it's one thing to wake up at night oh, to yes. nurse your baby. It's another thing to have to go downstairs, get a bottle of milk out of the fridge, <sighs> go get the bag from the feeding pump, clean out the bag from the feeding pump for the new milk mm, in and yes. start it. And then make sure that you haven't fed the bed because sometimes the if there's a, something that's oh, open that shouldn't be, oh. then all the hard pumped milk is now all over the floor. Um, So that was quite a a trying time. He was on continuous feeds is what that is called when you're fed all night long. Anyway, we then found out about respite nursing and it was life-saving because then it meant that we could get a few more hours of sleep. And then once he came off of the, the night feeds, the nurse was, we were able to get a nurse to come during the day. Um, because he was still getting bolus feeds during the day. So at a specific time, he would mm-hmm. get a, a G-tube feed. Um, and we still have that. Um, and it is a, a huge help because then they can also help with his his stretches and then helping him practice walking with his walker. And there's, there's just a lot of different um, medical routines that are a part of his day that are very time yes. consuming. That having that extra pair of hands is a huge help. Um and then TRICARE, um, there's a lot of families will go on, I guess, select to be able to pick their doctors, but we've never had any issues staying on Prime to ask for referrals. And they've even, when we wanted to go back up to 
Philadelphia because he, he's part of a research study having been a fetal surgery candidate and they wanted to do some testing. We were able to get the referral back up there to to get his, his neuropsych testing done. So that's been very helpful as well. There's some there's a learning curve to figuring out how the referrals work and yes. getting enough uh, visits. Um, most families can probably get a case manager um, that will also help um, oh, track those. And if you have Echo, you also have a, an Echo case manager. So those are, are two other um, military-specific supports that have been very helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, do you have any words of encouragement for a mom who is starting out on this path? You will find a new normal. It It is very mm. hard at first. I remember praying a bit angrily at God, like, I don't want this to be my new normal. But that was also in the time when I didn't have help. And mm-hmm. realizing that he will supply your needs. It might not look like what you had originally envisioned. There's a, a story that I've I've read that say that having a child with special needs is like boarding a flight thinking you're going to Italy and then when you land you find out you're in Holland and it's not that it's (laughs) a bad thing it's just it's a very different thing than what you expected and so you might not get to enjoy uh, Florence but you get to enjoy Amsterdam and learn about different kinds of architecture (laughs) Um, and so there are some things that are very different, but they there's so much joy in them as well. Um, so there, mm-hmm. there, there is hope and there's community and definitely re- reach out and find that community. Um, that's mm-hmm. one thing on the EFMP program. Sometimes there'll be a, a parent support group, depending on which base you're at. And that's a fantastic opportunity to get connected to other parents of kids with special needs and just swap stories and tips about which doctors are good and therapy and DME companies, durable medical equipment companies. Uh, We also have a, this is not specifically for the military, but online Facebook groups, um, both for my son's condition. And then we have one that's specifically for military families with this condition. And all of these groups are a fantastic resource. And then there's a G2 group where you can just ask questions and and they'll tell you if it's a question you need to go ask your doctor. But if it's sort of a day-to-day life question, there it, there are lots of families out there. And now with the internet, it is so much easier to find each other. And if you're new in this in on this path, I would definitely encourage you reach out and and find other families because they will be a huge huge support, mm-hmm. and they're the ones who are going to be able to understand what you're going through and um, mm. share what's been helpful to them. Yeah. Make friends with everyone else on the plane who wasn't expected <laughs> yes. to go to Amsterdam. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, do you have advice for those who do not have children or a child with special needs? Um, how can we be supportive? What has been the greatest help for you? Well, Olivia, you've been the perfect example because <laughs> when we you. showed up, <laughs> Not only did you bring us a meal when we moved in, but then when we were going to therapy all the time, you said, oh, sure, your your other kids can, can come. All those frequent appointments make it hard for siblings to feel like, oh, I get left out. We're always doing something mm, yes. for my sibling. So to actually have a play date to go to when sibling has to go to an appointment is, is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I would say to be supportive, offer, don't. Don't be afraid of, of offering specific things that the family will tell you whether or not that's helpful. Yeah. But it's it's often much easier to respond to, hey, can I bring you a meal or can I watch your kids? Then, oh, let me know if you need anything because 
it's a much more specific request and, and you know what specifically is being offered. I would also encourage for those who don't have a child with special needs, don't hesitate to to ask if you can help with the medical side of things. I had another friend who said, hey, can I come over to your house and see how you do your son's G-tube feeds? So if you ever are in a bind and your nurse can't come, I can oh, come help you with that. And that was huge that someone who has no medical background yes. would be willing to come and learn something that might be a little off-putting to, to, to most people was, was a really big blessing. I would never have thought of that, but that is even something that we could do um, if we don't have like the medical experience, but that's such a good idea. Parents don't have medical experience yeah, that's when they're true. sent home with a I mean, they make us go through a maybe... I don't know, 30, 45 minute class at the hospital, but we can (laughs) train someone else on that as well. And then um, don't be afraid to to ask questions about, oh, are those, how do those braces help his feet? And maybe Mm. say, hey, can I learn how to put on his AFOs um, to help you when it's time to get everyone's shoes on and out the door? Yeah, very specific things for for us, it's been childcare the most um, mm-hmm. for, for siblings when we have to go to, especially really long appointments on clinic days, we see five different doctors and we're there for hours and hours. And now with COVID, we can't bring siblings. So there's there's always finding care for the other kids. When, of course, we had the emergency surgery while my husband was deployed, it was a huge blessing that my next door neighbor said, sure, I'll take your, your son yes. after the, the sitter has to go. And then there was another family down the street that swapped with him the next morning. So he was with friends the whole time. And that was wonderful. That was our last deployment and the first one that we had all three children. And honestly, it was the deployment that went the smoothest of the six mm. that we've had. And I think it's because we had such wonderful community. We were really Mm. plugged in with both our neighborhood, our homeschool group, our church. And we had a a nurse who was like a grandpa to all of my kids, honestly, that he was just taking care of Raphael. And being in community with others who don't have kids with special needs is is a great, great blessing. Mm. Well, are there things that have been said or done that can come across as insensitive or have been hurtful? regarding um, having a child with special needs. And I think that it isn't always intentional, but sometimes we just don't, uh, with without being in that situation, maybe we don't think um, clearly about that or we don't know exactly how our words can be hurtful. But I think it's helpful for us to have these conversations so that we know how to avoid that and to, to truly be an encouragement. Definitely. I know people are curious and I, I never want people to be afraid of asking questions, yes. but there's, there's different ways of phrasing them. Mm. So if you say, what's wrong with him? It can be hurtful. <laughs> um, maybe a better way of asking if you'd like to know more is, well, can I ask what his diagnosis is? Mm. Another question, oh, is he ever going to walk? Or maybe how is he doing? Like what, what is some of the progress that he's made yeah. lately? Because to be honest, we don't know if he'll ever walk on his own or our goal is with is with arm crutches and we're working towards that, but there's a lot we don't know. And asking a lot about the future can be overwhelming to a parent who's already trying to keep up with the the day-to-day. Another thing that comes to mind is on the opposite side, being careful of not sentimentalizing kids with special needs in the sense of overlooking when they do wrong. (laughs) And we, we were at a beach event with a group of acquaintances. And I remember 
uh, Raphael was was destroying what his older brother was doing, and someone was saying like, "Oh." go little brother and I was like no he he needs to learn not to destroy even though he has challenges we're not going to just excuse that he's throwing sand everywhere and so kids are still sinners even if they have special needs and they still need the gospel and don't hesitate to to share that with them um mm. and include them in in teaching we love how our church has been very inclusive of him in the the Sunday school and and making sure that he can he can be hearing about the good news as well. Yes. Well, I love all those tips and thoughts. They're really helpful for me. Are there resources and materials that you've enjoyed or found encouraging in this area or one thing that I've really enjoyed is seeking out Christian authors who are also going through parenting with special needs. One is Abigail Dodds. She writes for the Gospel Coalition, and her her pieces have been a big encouragement to me. Um, also, actually, Risen Motherhood is a it's a mother it's a general motherhood resource. But both mm-hmm. of the the founders have kids with special needs, and I've loved how that that doesn't overall define them but that is part of who they are but they they continue with their work in ministry and that has been a very big encouragement to me that you you can still still do ministry and that's one thing we've taken on as a family is going back and doing uh, vacation bible school outreach over the summer as a family back in france and Raphael's come along and three three times now um but those those two have been great resources. I know Risen Motherhood has done at least one, if not two, specific podcast episodes on parenting with disabilities. And then otherwise resources, I'd, again, plug, find a Facebook group or whatever other means to connect to other families that are on the same plane to Holland with you. <laughs> um, those are a, a great resource. And the local church, I would say, make, make sure to let people know how your family can participate as much as possible. Mm, yes. um, because you be surprised as how things can adapt. I know, I think from the Risen Motherhood podcast, like their church managed to make basically a quiet room for mm. their son to go to during the service. And I know in our church, we've been really blessed that now there is a mask only section yes. <laughs> that we can come back yes. to church in person. Um, During a pandemic. So. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And I praise God along with you for what he has done in your family and how he's been so gracious and has worked powerfully in these very, very difficult situations. And he has brought a lot of joy um, out of them. So thank you for being here today. And I'm sure that our listeners will be encouraged too. Thank you so much, Olivia. It's been an honor. I was so encouraged by my conversation with Kelly today and what a great testimony she has of God's provision and of his care in the midst of a truly difficult season and how he continues to provide for them as they walk through this world with a child with special needs. Even though I don't have a child with disabilities, Kelly's reminder to trust in God's promises, to rely on Him for our needs. I love her stories of just how He provided specifically um, in physical and in spiritual ways for them in the, in the midst of the trials. Um, just as Philippians 4.19, 
my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then also her reminder to come to him as we are, as it says in Psalm 131, to come to him as a, a weaned child, humble and helpless and looking to God, our Father, for all of our needs, relying on him for strength and looking to him for wisdom. Kelly's practical tips were helpful as well as I considered to come alongside families who are experiencing life with special needs. I just love the reminder for all of us to enter into each other's lives, to ask heartfelt, considerate questions, to be willing to learn alongside others, and to roll up our sleeves and help each other in specific ways. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, will you give us a five-star review on iTunes? This helps us to get the podcast out there and reach more listeners. And it truly is an encouragement to us just to hear your feedback. If you would like to connect with us, we are on Instagram and Facebook, so you can follow us over there. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.